This is A Little Too Quiet. It is the Ferndale Library Podcast, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. Today, we are talking to a photographer, very unique photographer, and we're going to have some images up on the website with some show notes there to find more by Joseph Ferraro. We're going to be talking to Joseph Ferraro because he was going to be doing an exhibition here at this library earlier in the springtime before everything closed down and we're going to have a reception and everything but we're having him here on the podcast and what joseph ferraro does is something called macro photography and what that means is that well his his ratios are incredible he is getting extremely extremely close to his subjects his subjects are typically little organisms that we would otherwise be let's say swatting or shooing away insects pollinators very teeny tiny organisms that you'll usually find in your yard or maybe somewhere in your house and what he's doing is he's combining a love of obviously photography but also combining his love for for gardening for science his appreciation for the environment over the last five years i really think that anyone viewing his work would come to a deeper appreciation for the role that all these organisms have to play in our ecosystem, especially pollinators. Now, if if you're just listening to this library podcast and you didn't know something about the Ferndale Library is that we have an art and exhibitions committee that has been regularly coordinating art shows for the last seven years. Obviously, between February and now, which is late July, we haven't had any art shows because the library has been closed for safety measures, of course. But we're hoping in the near future we're going to have Joseph Ferraro's work up on display when the library's doors reopen, because he was scheduled to come on in and and hang his work, his incredible work, which is is put on some woodworking that he designs himself with these beautiful frames, which he's going to talk about. So hopefully everything gets back to normal. And that's where we start our conversation. Joseph Ferraro, welcome to the podcast. In a more normal world, we we would have had your art up in the library by now. And... It's still, it'll, it'll normalize at some point. Yes. You are an artist of two mediums. Maybe you could tell us about it. One of them is macro photography. Uh, you also do digital photography. You do woodworking and so many other things. Tell us about yourself, Joseph Ferraro. That's, that's, a, that's a loaded first question. Yeah. Uh, primarily right now, I consider myself a conservation photographer. Okay, cool. That's, and I didn't even know about this term until less, till the beginning of this year. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I knew I was like, I was photographing um, invertebrates. I was doing this macro photography, but I didn't really know. I didn't know other than calling it like being a macro photographer. I didn't know what, where I fit in the world. And then I met some awesome people and they're like, oh, you're a conservation photographer. This is like the little, the the niche that you like fit in. Mm -hmm. So all the other things I do, I've always, I've always done everything. Uh Um, I've always been that kind of like self taught i have to try and figure it out myself um and do the most difficult way possible um to get the end result because it's the process yeah yeah so my medium so i the things i do support the other work that i create so in this case of the macro photography i wanted to do prints and i was doing just prints in my home studio and and printing them on like you know like a metallic paper and then you know, matting them, these offset mats and these, you know, nice archival frames, um, simple metal frames. They were okay. 
but they weren't really anything, I want to say spectacular or unique. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't feel like anything unique about that. So I used, and I was doing woodworking when I was building an old, uh, series, what I call it like shadow boxes. So I was learning woodworking techniques are a little bit more refined Mm -hmm. then. So I applied that to making like, and you can see behind me for those that can't see, I have a couple of my prints on the wall. And so as I'm making these, I'm like, Oh, I want to make my own frames for this because they're a custom size and it's a custom medium. So it's really, I mean, I guess I do consider myself loosely an artist, but I just, you kind of use the tools that you need at the time to do the thing that you need to do. Right. Because we can say that's a term artist, but you, you have an interest in gardening and science and you found this way to put them together. Didn't you? I did. And I didn't, it wasn't, I'd love to say like, Oh my God, it was like so intentional. And this is what I set out (laughs) to do. And like, is this is like my grandiose story. And that's not the case at all. It wasn't the case. It was, it just happened. Mm-hmm. It happened over time. It happened, I think, just things like falling into place and realizing like the connections between them. The, the gardening and the science, I mean, I wanted to become biologist when I was younger. I had this like interest in biology and I've always gardened in some ways. I've always like grown, you know, plants. I mean, I've got a lemon tree that's 40 years old now that I grew from a seed. And, you know, she's my, you know, she's my pride. Yeah. But no, she, yeah, she goes outside for the summer and comes inside for the winter. Um, never produce a single lemon, never will. Yeah. Just yeah. because yeah. she can't, but she's awesome. Yeah. And she's yeah. like eight feet tall. And I, that's, but anyway, so I've always grown things, but I wasn't really in tune with how everything worked. Like, you know, I grew up in the era of like my grandma treating all insects as bad yeah you know except for bees like you know all insects are were were bad and mind you yeah there can be some pests there are invasive species there's you know disruptive insects but that over the course of the past five years has changed Mm -hmm. you know it's like now it's just observations when i get aphids in the garden where most gardeners are like ah like kill the aphids and i'm like no i'm waiting because i want to see the predators Right. that are actually eating the aphids or then the interactions between, you know, the ants and the aphids and the other insects and the aphids, what's really going on. Cause that gives me opportunity to observe as well as, you know, photograph them. Truly. And we're here in a, in a podcast medium and we are audio only. I really, and obviously when folks go to our website and look at the show notes, we'll have a few photos of Joseph's work, which is amazing. But what really struck me about, looking at your work is that obviously you're getting extremely, extremely close to these organisms, which we can talk about, but you made me appreciate by looking at your photographs that this is an entire world that they're living in that we don't appreciate. Well, we, we just discount it. That's an entire world, you know, it is a, it's an incredible microcosm and it's funny because you can totally chase the rabbit of going smaller. You can totally do it. It's like, you know, because you can go life size, which is like the one to one um, magnification. So it's like actual whatever size the um, invertebrate insect is that you're photographing. That's how large it is on the sensor. Wow. Um, So that's like that's your one to one. Uh I shoot typically I shoot greater than one to one. I shoot like two to one, three to one, all the way up to 
natively on the lens five to one. And then with modifications, I'll go up to like eight to one, nine to one, because you can just keep going smaller. Now there's limitations and everything that goes with there, but yeah, these microcosms, like you keep getting like smaller and you just keep finding life. You yeah. keep going and you think like, Oh, it's going to, no, it doesn't end. Yeah. And you know, I mean, this is just the realm of like, I guess you'd even say like visible optics Yeah. and you know, getting into like microscope, um, photography or electron, you know, so then you get in like scanning electron microscope and like way crazy, um, stuff. But this is just like things you can do in the field. And, yeah. you know, you see these like little dots around, like you see an insect. It's so awesome when you can find an insect and then it gets photobombed by another smaller insect. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and it's, it's, it's so awesome. Cause you think you're like, you're like, Oh, I'm focusing on this, like this bee or this beetle. You know, and all of a sudden this like little like springtail will come by or like a little thrip or something like that. And you're like, and you don't even see it until like you're zooming in and realize that it's an eighth of the size of the small insect that you were seeing. Mm -hmm. And it's just happy as can be being that small. Yeah. Let's talk about, I guess, you know, and this is a vague and general question. When people think of a photographer, they might think of um, Annie Leibovitz or they might think of Robert Frank, you know portraits of people this is probably tied into your love of nature but how do you even get into this where you're just experimenting with ratios and all this stuff i guess what drew you to this hyper focus style i think what drew me to this in particular was just i needed to know i needed to know i needed to see yeah. it was you know photographing the first few insects you know, five years ago and not really knowing what I was looking at and realizing I didn't know anything. And even like lighting styles and and everything. it's like, it wasn't what I saw like in my head, like, you know, examples of, you know, people that I knew that were good photographers doing this, this style of work and just the, the images I would picture in my head when I would look through my lens, I'm like, Oh, this isn't what I'm getting. And like falling in love with, this little world and all these different organisms. So, and it's funny that you mentioned like portrait photographers, cause I did study on my own portrait lighting and, you know, I had followed recommendations from other people because everyone builds their own um, like diffusers. You can, you can go and try and buy like a pre-made DIY one, but where's the fun in that? Right. So I was chasing my own light and reading up on things and like what people did, what, what worked, what didn't work. And then someone was like, you know, I really had studied portrait photographers. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense because you're kind of in this like portrait realm. And, you know, I've been a photographer for many years. I never really did people just because I'm not a people person, but those principles of light still apply whether, you know, someone's, you know, five feet tall or whether they're two millimeters across, it's the lighting principles really kind of, transfer over it's just the scale yeah change it and it's a little harder on the, the smaller size yeah, sure again Sometimes. if i could give listeners who haven't seen this yet for example you could bring up a, a photo by joseph ferraro and it is of a horsefly and the horsefly's head would encompass the entirety of your laptop screen that's how close he's getting and i even remember like the stories like when you talk about that because yeah. that horsefly was at a friend's house and i was there for a party or something and I, of course, would bring my camera around mm-hmm. and I found this horsefly and I believe that was a female and she had lost one of her wings. So she probably wasn't going to make it very long. So I kind of immortalized her in this portrait mm-hmm. because 
she was kind of docile and I could photograph her, but like, you remember these like little, like little moments where, yeah, you can, you can like, you can get right up close and you can see things that you just, you can't see with the naked eye Yeah, or you just overlook. Talk about, I guess, more of the process there uh, when you're in the field and the patience it requires, it must take a long time to just wait for the moment. You can't be like a fashion photographer where you're like shooting 20 shots at once of a, of a model. These are, you know, you have to wait, I guess, for the Yes, and, I guess, yes and no, mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't wait. I'm not patient in that. I'm not a camper. I mean, I like to camp, but I'm not, when I'm photographing, I don't like to camp. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I know that it's a hot spot. And I'm looking for a particular insect that I know is going to visit, or I saw it like visit a couple minutes ago, and I know it's going to circle back around because you kind of know the behavior and you know that you might have spooked it away. And it's like, boom, it's going to dart away, but it's going to come back because the desire for those resources, those floral resources are more, the drive is, is more than its fear of being eaten at that moment. Mm-hmm. And they realize like, oh, you're just like this branch or bush that suddenly appeared in like relation. Mm-hmm. So because I do sort of chase my subjects and, you know, you photograph a few frames in a row to be able to get the shot and frame up the shot that you want. Sometimes you get it. Sometimes what you're looking at is on. It depends, it depends on the, on the insect or the, you know, the organism at the moment and what they're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, is how they're reacting and how you can get the shot. But yeah, patience wise, it's, it's, it's a funny thing because I'm, I guess it does require patience because you can't just like, and for those of you at home, I'm like bambling around, like <laughs> waving my hands. Like you can't just go traipsing through a field right? because you're going to disturb. Everything is going to fly away. And when you're going to go photograph something, especially in my case, the style that I shoot, I'm anywhere, the front of my lens is anywhere between like typically like four in it, four inches to an inch, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range from the subject mm-hmm. i'm not shooting from like you know three feet away and you know i have this like buffer zone yeah i am up on the organism i'm like we're, we're sharing the same space right maybe patience isn't the right word but delicacy or sensitivity you know it is yeah it is a form of delicacy because i notice like i walk like I often wonder what my neighbors think. You're probably tiptoeing. Um, when, when I get in it, because I'm totally tiptoeing through the yard. I'm like in my backyard. I'm like creeping around my own yard with the camera. <laughs> I'm creeping around these like, you know, plants that I just randomly let grow up that I know like flea veins and yeah. uh, the golden rods and stuff. And I'm like approaching things like this, like this, like slow step or I'm walking through some of the garden patches, just walking through slowly because you have to, mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, you, you mess up your own, you know, you can mess up your own like shot right. that you had that you see. Right. And you know, it's so yeah, patience does, does come into a delicacy. It's just, you just learn like behaviors yeah. and how not to spook the things that you're trying to photograph. But technically they're not willing models, so they're just going to fly <laughs> away if they don't like you. Yeah. Most, most of the time they're not. And, um, most of the time, like with hoppers and stuff like that, they like, they look at you and you, you see them and they just like, as you see me, like slowly moving out of frame, mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. They're just like, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And they're just like there. And then they start like pointing away from you because they're ready to hop away at any given time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so most of the time they're not, they're not willing Um, sometimes some, but some are oblivious to you 
Yeah. And some are so hyper aware that it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Now you've, you've given some lectures to some youths, is that correct? Uh, was it on macro photography? Was it on focusing on pollinators? What was that like? And what did you tell them? On macro photography, it was, um, I think they were, I don't think they were fourth, fifth, sixth. I can remember, but there was, it was in that range. It was a couple few years ago. It was on macro photography. It was on, it was in parallel with a study being done by Cornell university on birding. Mm -hmm. And they were doing like a, a, ornithology class at the, for the, for the youths on like spotting birds and in, in the city. And so it was kind of like in parallel with that. So it was fun and it was terrifying because it, <laughs> his kids, kids, are kids, kids are terrifying. They're, they do not pull any punches and their questions and what they say. Um, it was a newer experience. It was totally fun. And their, their minds are so voracious mm-hmm. and the information and it was it was fun. And, you know, they didn't realize like all the insect life around them. And it's kind of nice at a young age to, you know, possibly have this like influence where, you know, like not all insects are bad. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to smash every ant that you see. Like, hey, let's maybe let's not do that. Yeah. You know, let's not smash every single thing that you see just because you can, which are kind of especially in this day and age, even it's like they're important life lessons of being kind and being kind to other organisms when you can, if I can, if that wax is like a little philosophic or <laughs> you're, you, it's okay if you want to wax philosophic because <laughs> remember Joseph, you're an artist and I want to tell you why you're an artist. It's because if for the simple reason of art makes us think, and that is what your photos are doing, right? Like goes back to me saying like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize there's a whole world here. And you're, that's the one thing you can, you can do. And especially, as you said, in the last five years, the, the urgency over the role that pollinators play in our ecosystem. I think that, that, that it's at least amplified the importance of it. And you're playing a role in that, which is awesome. Thank you. I, tr- I try because the, especially with the native, the native pollinators, which are really, have, are gaining more attention, but they've been the underdog and the understudy to, you know, the, the non-native yeah. pollinators brought in mm-hmm. just because they're, they're not easy to manage. You know, it's like native bees don't do what you want them to do. You can give them ground and you can give them space and you can give them nesting areas. And if the conditions are right and the floral resources are there, they will build their, their nests, but they're not consistent pollinators Mm -hmm. but they are excellent pollinators when they when they do and i say like consistent because their life cycles are usually in sync with the plants that they're you know they're feeding on and host on they you know they they're in they're in sync with their environment yeah so there's no need to be out and active if there's no floral resources why would you why would you be willing to risk a generation of dying off when you could just take a little nap, wake up, you know, either in the fall and the spring when the resources are back. Right. And this is for you as a photographer, April to September must be the busy season. Actually, I start sometimes as early, depending on the weather as March. Okay. Um, I start flipping, flipping logs and digging through <laughs> dipping, dipping, you know, dipping through the leaves and the litter and stuff in the yard and like as soon as like those warm days creep up, because you'll have a warm day in March and you'll see 
small like flies or gnats started emerging. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's there's life happening and especially there's life happening in that leaf litter. Yeah. That everyone wants to rake up. Yeah. Which is this like awesome, you know, habitat for all these creatures that are overwintering. Right. So yeah, it's like so yeah, it was kinda like March through almost October. Yeah. Those last cold days in October are kind of like my like I almost feel a little anxiety because I'm like using every single day that I can, because I know that, you know, the next day there might be a cold snap right. and everything. That's it. But you came on my radar somewhere towards the end of last year. And I want to let you know that I let my leaf detritus stay on my lawn this year. I wanted to oh, leave thanks. some habitats because you got me thinking about all these creatures out there. And I just want to compliment you uh, or just maybe ask what it's been like for you. If you have been, in any scenarios where you are in a, maybe a gallery setting or you have a show because we were going to have you here. We were going to have you here at the library in a very gallery setting. We were going to have a reception. And, you know, that is the, the realm where you are towing into, you know, you're being treated as an artist, which I'd say you should. But you you have been able to, to thrive in this, this middle ground of being, you know, Annie Leibovitz capturing something very beautiful uh, or breathtaking, a very close up grasshopper or a a horsefly and there's beauty but there's also like this neil degrasse tyson like wonder science thing you've you've gotten both science oh, and art that, that's that's way too that's way too that's comparing me to those like, two that's wow. way too i'm like that's way that's way too kind folks i've put him on the spot he has to accept that compliment on the air he's not accepting it but i i i, I agree I, I graciously accept it but but that is the thing is like this looks beautiful but it's making me think about science i guess that is to put it simply and less, less well, grandiose. So that's very no, that, cool. That's thank you. And yeah. thank you for um, observing that because that is, you know, that's kind of my like unspoken goal yeah. of being able to do that and change like, like, like it's called like a paradigm shift mm -hmm. in people where in people, they just don't know. And it's kind of fun. And I had um, a show up at the Belle Isle Nature Center, and there's currently one that's kind of in like a hiatus mm -hmm. because of the closures. But in the previous one, when we're talking about, you know, I was talking about pollinators, and it was a, it was a show on pollinators, but not just, you know, not just like the honeybee. We're talking like more of the, the native pollinators as well and some of the incidental pollinators. But, you know, we, we show people things, and people don't know the difference between a bee and a wasp. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know the difference between it being a fly and you're able to kind of show them and talk to them and talk them through it and hopefully get them to change, you know, change their mind, their perception of what everything's role is around them, mm -hmm. because you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And if you don't see it and you don't see the beauty of it, like people that are afraid of spiders, you know, they see like portraits of the jumping spiders and it kind of like calms them down a little bit because they're like, Oh my God, they're adorable. Right. And they, and they have these, you know, binocular eyes and they look at you and they're very, they are actually inquisitive and they can actually, they can actually like resolve your face with their lenses. They can actually see you and track you. You're not just like this crazy blur. Wow. They can actually adjust and they will follow you. They will like, they will track you and, you know, sometimes jump on your lens and jump on you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and they're, and they're kind of little, you know, sometimes they want to move away, but they can be also just fearless. And yeah. just like, they're looking like, what is this thing here? Like moving on, like I'm going to investigate it. 
maybe there's food on it. I don't know what the little spider synapses are thinking, mm-hmm. but it is something. But yeah, it changes people's minds where people go like, like normally they go like, oh, spider, like gross. And they're like, oh, that's a spider. Oh, I, I could maybe like that spider. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you'll see these, you know, you'll see them a lot. Maybe don't smash it with the shoe. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe just if you are uncomfortable with it, have someone put it outside if you can. Right. You know, it's getting people to change their perceptions a yeah. little bit and just notice. Yeah. I was going to ask you before I let you go that, you know, the, the cliche phrase is that a picture is worth a thousand words. And the words that are coming to mind for me when I look at your photos is first word is like interconnectivity. You know, these things are in my backyard. They might be on my porch. They're, I'm a part of their story as much as they're part of mine. Then the words compassion came to mind, right? Maybe don't squish the spider. You know, respect this thing as uh, this, this organism is, a, is an independent thinking living thing. Those are the words that come to mind when I look at your photographs. Thanks. That's yeah. good. Does that track? Yeah, always, does that track huh? with? Does that track with your 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 mission, you know, your goal, your it, inspiration? It, it it does it does totally track with yeah. it because I just want people like I fell in love with them, mm-hmm. and I just want people to not necessarily not everyone's going to fall in love with them, but kind of that little bit of a shift where you know when you mention B, mm-hmm. you know people think getting stung yeah. where I'm like, yeah. mm, you know, the s- majority of the, s- the sweat bees are tiny, like smaller native bees. They're not going to sting you. Even if they can, they're not going to, they may nip you if you start pinching them or mm-hmm. like trying to like hurt them. Mm-hmm. But even if they tried to sting you, their stinger, most of them would never be even be able to go through your skin most. So it's like, yeah, it's like to change people's opinions. Like, you know, these aren't all bad and they play roles. Like people like always diss on flies and it's like, Flies, such you know they serve such an an important role in you know the ecosystems that you know and i told like last year i didn't observe like uh i believe it's they're pronounced like surfeit flies like your flower flies your hover flies their larvae are voracious predators and they just like they'll decimate an aphid colony and you it's but it's a fly yeah and people see a fly or something like that it's a, though it's a fly that mimics as a bee so then it's like that double-edged sword, something flying, but it looks like a bee or a little wasp and people don't like them. So they get a little skittish, but they serve like these roles and- They serve roles. That's everything it. has, things Things have their their place. That's it. Joseph Farrar, it's been a pleasure to have you on this podcast. I look forward to meeting you in person and having you here in this library and showing your work. Thank you so much I, for joining us. I so look forward to that, Jeff. Thank yeah. you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for the conversation and the support and everything you do for the artist community as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. All right. That was the macro photographer, Joseph Ferraro, talking about his his love of science and gardening and photography and how he was able to combine all three and his process of going out and being very delicate in his approach to his his models who are sometimes unwilling models because, you know, they could fly away. This is a little too quiet and we'll have a link to Joseph Ferraro's work in our show notes. My name is Jeff Milo. I am the host of this podcast produced in-house here at the Ferndale Area District Library. This delightful music that is riding us out of the podcast is by John Duffy, a local musician. And this podcast is brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. If you want to support this podcast, go to ferndalefriends.org. Like, subscribe, and tell a friend. It's a library podcast. <laughs>